G'day everyone, Tom Craig here. Welcome to my podcast, The Help Side, where we talk to some of the most recognisable names in hockey and hear about the highs and lows of their careers and what makes them tick. Now some of you may have noticed we've had a few weeks hiatus as we line up our guests for the next season of shows, if you will. And with the lifting of COVID restrictions, hopefully we'll be able to record our first face-to-face interview, which is exciting times for us. And hopefully we can bring you some more quality hockey content as club seasons look to get started in the Southern Hemisphere. Now we have some fantastic guests to come over the next few months, and I'm sure their stories will provide you with some inspiration to get you out of your trackies and into your shinnies as the season kicks off. And I could not think of a better guest to do that than the one we have today. We're very lucky, and I'm very excited, to be able to introduce back-to-back reigning female World Player of the Year, Eivor Gerda, as this episode's guest, who joins us for a two-part special of The Help Side. winners once again. They successfully defend their title that they won in the Hague four years ago. Marcia Pullman to change that. Leaves it favour to Gouda again and into the roof of the net. That's how to do it. But finally it came from the corner. Able to Gouda this time with a low flick and a second for her. To Gouda making it eight. Now few teams have dominated a sport to the extent that the Dutch national team have dominated the women's game since their gold medal in Beijing in 2008. And Ava has been there for every major along the way. The two-time World Player of the Year, Ava has arguably the most impressive hockey resume of any current player. Boasting over 230 internationals, Ava has incredibly lost only two games across three World Cups and three Olympics in her career, and both of those were finals. This leaves Ava with two Olympic golds and a silver, and two World Cup golds in the silver. As one of the most complete midfielders in the game, Ava's poise on the ball and ability to link her teammates together is legendary. Now in this episode, we take our time discussing just what it is that makes the Dutch so successful and what it feels like to be a part of that team, as well as exploring some of Ava's most memorable hockey moments, for which it has to be said, there are many. In typical Dutch fashion, Ava is incredibly forthright about her experiences at the top and as you could imagine, has some wonderful lessons to share with us as she's progressed from the fresh-faced 17-year-old debutante from a little town in the Netherlands to the captain of the world's best team. This is the help side of modern-day superstar, Ava de Gouda. Enjoy. I'm here with reigning World Player of the Year, back-to-back World Player of the Year, I believe, uh, Ava de Gouda. Thank you very much for joining me on the help side. No problem. It's cool to be here, or well, I'm at home, but sort of be here with you. Virtually, yeah, for sure. Well, I have to admit, I, we haven't recorded for some weeks. We um we had a little bit of a break. We've had like a six week break, so um I might be rusty again. But um and there is a bit of pressure interviewing someone of your caliber. So um go easy on me. I will. You go easy on me as well because <laughs> I'm Dutch and. I'm trying the best with my English, but sometimes I just, if I can't figure out the words or whatever, I'll just ask you, but we'll find sure, a way. That's fine. Um, okay. Well, let's start. I think, so you're in Holland, obviously. Um, we're here in Australia. I think I would, I would start you by asking what it's like over there. I know you've been training with the national team for, for some time since the reopening after COVID and give us an update on the, on the Dutch competition and, and where things are with that. Um, yeah, so it obviously have been very weird times. Um, 
we've never been in complete lockdown, but there has been a while that we weren't allowed to, yeah, actually play hockey. Mm. Um, and I think after four weeks, we were allowed to go back into training. And then it started with like restrictions and protocols from like washing your hands to keeping the social distance here. That's like a meter and a half. And I think even at the start, it was three meters while playing. Um, so we obviously couldn't do that much. It's more like passing and hitting on goal and that was it. And we had to split the group into twos. And yeah, it was all weird, but we were sort of happy that we could do something. Um, and now from Friday, we're allowed to go back into full training, which is nice. So it's still everything with a national team because the club teams, um, yeah, it's sort of the summer break now where we don't really play. And we're going to start again with our club teams in August. That's when the prep starts. And then now the um, league is scheduled to start on the 6th of September. Yeah. But it's all still, yeah, hoping that it's going to happen. But for now, it's looking good. And hopefully, yeah, we can start on the 6th. Sure. And you, uh, you play for Amsterdam? Yes, I play for Amsterdam, yeah. And you've played there your whole career? No, sorry. So I've played there now for 10 seasons. Okay. Before that, I've played for Kampong. That's a club mm -hmm. in Utrecht. Um, yep. I played there for four seasons. And I'm originally from Zeist, which is a small little town close to Utrecht. Um, so I started a small little club there, then went to another little club in Zeist. And after that, to play Hofklasse for Kampong and then Amsterdam. Yeah, okay. And I've, I've been doing a little bit of background research and I've, I've discovered that you started playing hockey at 10 years old. And we were talking yeah. earlier before the podcast about um, how you got into hockey. Well, the fact that you weren't much of a hockey fan when you were growing up and you just played it because you loved it. And yeah, I just want to ask, how did, how did you get into hockey? Um, it was just more as a kid, I really loved sports. So I used to do like athletics, some like gymnastics, um, I used to play tennis and I even used to play, I think you say soccer, you don't say football, eh? Either or. Yeah, either, okay. Well, that and I just, I think because I played tennis and athletics at that point, my parents were like, well, maybe you should try a team sport as well to just, you know, be in a team and see if you like mm. it. Um, and back then, now soccer is getting bigger here, but it wasn't as big. And I used to play it with my little brother on the streets in front of our house. But some friends of mine were going to play hockey and I was like, okay, then I'm just going to try it because they're going to try it. And then I know it will be fun. Mm. Um, and I absolutely, yeah, just loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about how the hockey scene starts as a kid, because I've, I've played in Holland as a kid and I know it's completely different to the way that things happen in Australia. And I know that you guys don't have as much space as us, but you, you cram like hundreds of kids onto it. Well, it seems <laughs> like it, but you know, there are games happening everywhere. It seems like. Um, do you want to talk yeah. us about what it's like starting hockey in Holland as a kid? Yeah, I think um, it's so funny because I'm not sure if it's the same with you guys, but in the UK and in South Africa, you play a lot at school. I'm not sure if it's the same in Australia, but here we don't play hockey at school at all. Mm. It's just we have club teams. So after school, you go to your club and then you train. And I think now you can even start already when you're five years old. Mm -hmm. So... Um, hockey really is a family sport as well so a mm. lot of the kids already start because their parents are already playing hockey and they go to like watch their parents play and then like play a little bit themselves and that's how you sort of roll into the whole yeah playing hockey um, 
and it's exactly like you say I think when you're younger it's just almost like all the kids are on fields and you just sort of like have fun and play a lot of mini games I think we throughout your whole career when you're even small to well still now all we want to do is play games even during training that's like the fun part that's when you get excited that's where you can try out all the things that you've learned um, and I do think that's a really big difference compared to yeah maybe different countries as well is that we yeah we play we play we play we play we play mm. um, and yeah I think that's when you learn a lot and that's why it's so exciting for us as well. Mm, mm. And so when you, you're coming through the ranks, you're playing in juniors. I know the Hofklasse, the Dutch um, top division is, is huge. It's, it's great in a country like Holland. You can have one competition for the entire country and you have all the best players often in the world coming across and playing. When you're a little girl playing, did you look up to the Hofklasse as, as your heroes or, or was it more the international game or did you not really care about hockey too much at all? Yeah, I wasn't really into hockey like that. I do remember that I went to the 98 World Cup when it was in Utrecht. Mm -hmm. um, that was amazing and I loved it. And I had one favorite player uh, who was actually a man, Don de Neuer, that was mm -hmm. like sort of my hero and that's who I wanted to be. Uh, but otherwise, I didn't really watch a lot of hockey, especially not Hofklasse. And I think because when I grew up and when I played um, in the town that I'm from, the first ladies or men's team didn't play in the Hofklasse. And I wouldn't drive yeah, far mm, to go to a sure. Hofklasse game. Um, so I would just watch them, which was a few divisions lower, and then would... It's funny as well, because during halftime break, it was always like so much fun that you... Okay, now it's the break and all the kids just run onto the field and just go start play together. And then <laughs> when they start again, all the kids run up. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that, but that's the most <laughs> amazing thing I really enjoy here in Holland is that it's just, yeah, like I said, it's a family sport and the kids just love it. And uh, during those halftime break, it's just so much fun to see how those kids just run onto the field and um, enjoy playing. But yeah, like you say, indeed, the Hofklasse is, um, yeah, it's a really a strong league. Um, for the men's and women's but I do think with the men's there are way more international players than with the ladies um, so yeah I hope it will be cool to see and I think probably after the Olympics that there will be more international players again as well which mm. obviously will bring yeah up the game and it's very cool to watch. Is there a reason you think there are more men playing in the high class than women? Um, it's definitely money I do think that there are in general, there's more money with the men than with the ladies, uh, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. But yeah, that's still how it goes for now. Um, and then I do think that, yeah, um, we have a lot of good players, ladies in Holland as well. And yeah, that's good enough for clubs for now, I think. It's, yeah, it's really hard to, if someone, a player from overseas comes to your club, um, yeah, like I said, you have to put money into that player. And if you have talented youngsters coming up, at your club then yeah it's a I think it's a tough decision but in general in Holland um, for ladies it's the best league there is um, and then with not having that much money every time I think yeah this is how it works out I think but I'm not sure sure I just want to go back to uh, your comment about Tunde Neuer um, was that kind of like a catalyst for you wanting to play Holland uh, play hockey for Holland or do you remember what it was like watching him actually play because I know he's a lot of people's hockey heroes and he still gets spoken about, especially in the men's game, as being one of the greatest ever. Um, do you remember what it was like watching him and what did, how did that feel? Yeah, to me, it was just like when I saw him play, it was magic. I thought that his 
his touch was just the best I'd ever seen. I used to watch a lot of soccer as well. And I used mm. to always watch um, Iniesta play. I always loved the way he played too. And it was more about like, of course, they are individually really great players. But then I do think that they are great players within a team sport as well. So they do make others look good or they do make others excel in what they do. And yeah, I just love that. That's what I try to do with like Tendenoy's vision or his pass, like sort of push pass while running on like full speed. I just, yeah, those are the things that I always love to see and the things that I always try to do myself to, yeah, have and to, um, yeah, do while playing. Sure. Uh, we'll get back to um, your comments there about trying to get the best out of your team as well, because in an interview you did about winning the back-to-back World Player of the Year, you did say something along those lines. So we're going to come back to that. But was there a time growing up where you where you realised that you were actually pretty good? Because, I mean, the 1998 Champions Trophy, I think you were nine. And mm-hmm. eight years later, you were playing for the Dutch team. So there's not that much time in between there. Um, did you realize at one point that, you know, that was something that you, you wanted to do? You wanted to play for Holland and you think you could do that? I do remember saying after that World Cup to my dad, because it was to me to watch it like on that big stage. It was in a football stadium and normally hockey isn't like it's big here, but it's not that big. So it was like immense. And I remember saying to my dad, like, well, this is what I want. Like, I want to play in a stadium like this. And I've always been, as a kid, I've been like this sort of quiet, shy kid. And I always used to think like, yes, I can play, but I'm not that good. Like, I'm not that great. And I think I just really enjoyed playing. And I always wanted to be at my best and learn. And I was eager to like train more and do more. But I remember when I got selected for the under 16, so the Dutch side on the 16th I used to play my sort of like district team and then you can get invited for the under 16s of Holland and I remember that I got selected and I was like I'm selected for what like I had no idea that it even existed something like that so I think that's yeah says a bit about me that yes I was eager and I wanted to like be the best version of myself but I had no idea of like how to get there or what you had to do for it compared to kids nowadays who are like 16 or even younger. And they say, yeah, I want to be like an international hockey player. I'd never like had that. I used to dream of it, but I had no idea how to get there. Mm. Yeah. How to do it. And like you say, it just, yeah, I got into the national team when I was 17 and yeah, I haven't been not in the team ever since. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned Andres Iniesta. Do you think you kind of modeled your game around football a little bit or because I look at the way you play and a lot of it is about just kind of knowing where this is what I think anyway a lot of your your game is about knowing where you want the ball to go before you get the ball like you're looking like a a midfielder like a chavy or something like that in the midfield where you're constantly kind of looking around and and seeing what's around you and it seems very football-esque would you say that's that's something that inspires you or yeah I definitely do think so I think that is like a lot of there are a lot of similarities compared to like football or hockey and you can learn a lot from other sports as well and I think yeah I loved football as a kid and I used to watch it a lot and especially those players and I do think that that's where it comes from I want to be like aware of where I'm standing on the field and then where the 
hopefully the spaces will be or the spaces that I see that I exactly like you say that I want to be in or where I think that I can yeah put a ball into a place for someone else and yeah I do think that's my game you're correct in that that yeah I do want to have that awareness and vision of where I hope that the game's going to be or will be mm-hmm. um, we're going to get on to your hockey in a little bit uh, one more question on the on the kind of Dutch side of things um, and the club competition and I know a lot of there's a lot of talk in and around hockey about the the strength of the the Dutch clubs and um, in particular the European clubs and that that makes things challenging for an international uh, calendar I mean um, in Australia we don't have the strongest club competition it's it's spread over a massive country so there's you know eight different um, club competitions but has the has the pro league impacted the club competition or how do you approach two questions sorry first one how has pro league impacted the club competition if it has and the second one is do you prepare playing for holland any different to you would prepare playing for amsterdam um i think the pro league um has had an impact on the club system um and i think that it is going to be a bit more of a problem now as well um, because yeah, clubs are saying like, yeah, I'm sorry, but my players are tired because they played a game on Wednesday and then on Sunday we have to play again um, with our club sides or they have to play on a, we have to play on a Friday night instead of a Sunday, um, which is not great for spectators or Mm. that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think it's going to, be harder for us to do both and it's going to be a challenge and I hope that like the Dutch Federation and the clubs can sort it out because Mm. sometimes it can be hard and we are sort of right in the middle of it because Mm. yeah we want to play for the national team but then we want to play for our club side as well and I think it's especially hard because we get paid by our clubs so you do have the responsibilities to your clubs as well um, and that makes it hard Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be very challenging, and yeah, we even have to see if the pro league's gonna <laughs> yeah still happen. Of course, <laughs> maybe even end of this year or next year. Um, but yeah, it has been a challenge, and it definitely has been a lot. Um, so yeah, we have to figure out how we can we as players can manage ourselves, and yeah, the clubs and the federation how they can manage it for us to mm. that we or can do both or maybe yeah skip some international games or skip some club games but yeah i think we have to try and sort it out a bit better for everyone who's involved in that and yeah answering your question about preparing for a club game or for an international game i think it's sort of similar unless we really have a tournament but for those pro league games it is sort of similar the only thing is with your club team we're never in a hotel you just like you rock up on a Sunday morning and then you play in the afternoon. And yeah, every single time we have pro league games, you would maybe two or three days beforehand, you would go to a hotel and then you really get into that sort of national team vibe Mm. that we always have just to be together. Um, And we never really have that uh, with our clubs. It's a bit more chill to say it like that. It's more like, okay, I show up and then I play a game and, I leave again and with the national team it's a bit more intense and a bit more yeah trying to mold together and to get used to each other as well um because often with our clubs we play against each other and not with each other with the national Mm. team Mm. with with that um would it be possible to to play i mean in australia hockey is a semi-professional sport like it, it is i guess an amateur sport and we can play because of the um like the australian institute of sport provide us with the with the financial incentive to play 
Um, is it similar in Holland? Like without the club competition, would being a full-time hockey player be a viable option or is that not how it works? Um, yeah, I definitely do think it would be an option. Yeah. Um, I think that we already, even though we still have our uh, clubs here, it's almost full on. If you would look at a normal week for us from Monday till Wednesday, we will be with the national team, um, which means that we will skip our training on Tuesdays with our club mm -hmm. teams. And then on Thursday, you have a double session with your club. On Friday, you do a gym yourself. And in the evening, you train with your club. And then on Sunday, you have your game. So even though throughout the league, our club team's league, we are still training with the national team. Mm -hmm. And I think we're lucky that um, Holland is not that big. So it's easier for us to come together. But there are hardly times that we, as a national team, don't see each other often. Yeah, okay. Okay, fair. Um, last question on the club comp because I'm very curious about it. But you you have two teams that you are very... come and play. Well, I'm very keen to. I'm very keen to. <laughs> I was on my way, actually, before all this. But um, So the second thing is, would you do you have a different role with your Amsterdam team compared to the Dutch team? I mean, you talk about playing potentially two games in one week. Um, for us... Uh, it's quite different because we're kind of a full-time Australian athlete and then we have a block of time where we would go back and play for um, our state or something like that. So it's kind of easy to transition to a different role. Whereas it sounds like you're you're in one team on Wednesday and then another team on Sunday and like I can imagine there'd be different roles involved. Um, are there different roles involved and how do you balance those? Yeah, I think there are, but I think as well that... Like to me, I am not a different player when I play for Amsterdam than when I play for the national team. Mm -hmm. Like I try to be like just me to say it like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yes, there might be more responsibilities with the national team than with Amsterdam, but still on both sides, I have to, you know, I have to be there. I have to show up. I have to be at my best. And mm. it's not like that when I'm in, at Amsterdam, I think it is a bit more like chilled and the pressure is less, but still Amsterdam pays me to play for them and mm. to be at my best. So I do have responsibilities as well there, but it's more a bit like coming home mm. and just have a little breather. And, um, but I still have responsibilities and yeah, I think it's not very different um, between those two, in my yeah. opinion. Now, if you missed it, make sure you go back and listen to episode nine of The Help Side. We had a very special guest, Rochelle Hawkes OAM, who is the gold medal winning captain of the Hockey Roos during the 90s. And I asked her which team would win out of her three Olympic gold medal winning teams, the 1988 team, the 1996 team, or the 2000 team. Here is her response. That is an extremely difficult question. I it would be between 96 and 2000. And I've had some people say to me, some writers say that they thought the team in 96 played better and was more consistent. Or I'll tell you what, it'd be line ball. It would be line ball. I, I would have to say it's, you know, sitting on the fence, but it depends on the given day how, mm. uh, how the, I think it'd be line ball between the two teams because it was, yeah, you had a pretty, pretty consistent team throughout and there were only a few different faces. So I'd say we would have um, 
Would have been a good matchup. Shootouts. It would have been five all draw. (laughs) Again, if you missed it, go back and have a listen. Rochelle was a fantastic guest and she has a lot to say. But for now, let's get back into our chat with Ava. Let's go to your international career. Um, we've set aside a little bit of time here because it's been it's been quite long and you've enjoyed a lot of success. It's been quite long, yeah. <laughs> um, We're going to start with your debut. So you debuted, as you said, at 17 years old in Amstelfein and I believe it was against Australia. Is that correct? It was actually against India. It was before oh, okay. the... Yeah, we had a Champs Trophy yep. um, and we played some test games before the ah, tournament started okay. so that's when i yeah played my first game do you remember what that was like i do actually i remember that i thought it was very completely insane that i was even there <laughs> i was like what am i doing here between all those superstars and i'm gonna play this tournament um and it was actually funny because back then we used to have a squad of 18 and there were only 16 allowed to play so there always would be two players who would sit in the stands mm-hmm. like it's different than yeah, yeah, yeah. how it is now so i was like okay well i probably if i'm lucky i play one game and the rest i'll just sit in the stands um but that one game it was just it was very special because a obviously it was at home so we played the tournament in amsterdam which was in holland so that was cool and yeah, I think I even like I scored a goal. It was such a shitty one, but it was a goal, <laughs> and how excited everyone was for me that I actually scored a goal on your debut. It was amazing, but just yeah. On my what happened? Yeah. What did you do? <laughs> I think I was even I was on the back line, and I wanted to sort of put the ball in front of goal, and it went in the goal by an <laughs> Indian foot. So it was like it was really was a shitty goal. That's but a even goal. that I still remember <laughs> how excited everyone was. It mm. was like. Yay, you scored during your debut. Um, but yeah, I, I played as a forward and I was just loving it. Like the whole mm. feeling of being able to yeah, play at that level and like being extremely proud, but then super surprised still that I was even there. Mm. But just, yeah, enjoying it like it almost would have been my last game because you never know how long you will play in the team or how long yeah things like that last so i remember just enjoyment and excitement and yeah just loved it Mm. and then straight into tournament hockey with the champions trophy which was the first of 10 i believe um (laughs) the way i'm going today i'll probably got that wrong as well but 10 champions trophies has the first what was the difference in um you know the first champions trophy you're fresh on the block compared to your most recent one i think was 2018 pretty sure um yeah How'd they compare? First to now, totally different. How do you feel before Completely a game? Completely different. Um, yeah, I think it's got all, all to do with experience, though. And mm. when you get older, that you experience things um, differently and more extreme. And I remember my first one; it was all just yeah, like that amazement, and you just sort of like go with the flow. You don't really think too much about it. Um, and like I said, I didn't even play all the games because I think even probably two or three games I sat in the stands to just watch the girls play sure. um, compared to in 2018 where, yeah, you just, if you play, then you play, mm. uh, you're there. Um, but it was, yeah, I found it very special, the one in 2018 because, yeah, it was my 10th one and it was the last mm. Champions Trophy of how we used to know it. So to me, it was 
very special. But I remember some of the youngsters in our team were like, oh, it's just a Champions Trophy, you know. And now we've got all these other tournaments. And I was like, no, actually, the Champions Trophy was a tournament that I, like, I loved it. It was just a week full on. But it, yeah, to me, it was one of the best tournaments to play because it was so much fun and really the best countries of that moment. And yeah, I've always loved to play um, to play a Champions Trophy. And I really enjoyed the last one in 2018. Completely different, but yeah, it was amazing to play. And I've got great memories playing Champions Trophies. Mm. I think the, I remember like often in Australia, we wouldn't get much um, hockey on TV, but I do remember that the Champions Trophy was often televised. Um, and it was such a great tournament because as you say, it was the best teams in the world playing a tournament for a week. And like, I can't think of many other sports where it's just like the top six or however many it is just play once mm. a year in a massive tournament, like do or die. It's just, it's just awesome. Like it's such a good tournament. Yeah. And I think it is a bit of a shame that um, it's not continued, but no, I, I agree with you there. Um, we're going to move on to the 2008 Olympics, your first Olympics. So you must've been 19. Were you? Yeah, I was 19. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. And you guys dominated. I mean, I was looking at the stats. You won seven from seven. You guys only had five goals against for the entire tournament. Um, and you won 2 0 in the final against China, who are the home team. What are your what are your experiences of that tournament? Did it feel as dominant while you were there? Was this this confidence that um, just kind of came about because you were so good or or how was that tournament? No, to me, it was not like that at all. It's actually funny because now that you mentioned those numbers, I'm actually like, whoa, that is amazing. Mm. Um, because I had no idea. Like, I do know that we won every game. And yeah, that in the end, we played the final against um, China and we won that 2-0. But to me at the time, it didn't really feel like we dominated. But I do think because I was so young, I had no idea. Like, I remember the Olympics, for me, it was like something surreal something that was like sort of happening to me and I could just I could play I didn't have to worry about anything that's what all the girls like the older girls told me and Lida Lai, who was her first Olympics as well and one of the youngsters they were like just play just enjoy it just do you do why you're here because you're a good player and like it really got some pressure of us that we could just play and we didn't really have to or got the feeling that we had to make a difference mm. during the tournament. Like, of course you want to do that yourself, but like there are other girls who had to worry about that. And I think that really helped us that we could like just enjoy it and just go with the flow. And maybe that's why I wasn't so aware of the fact that we really dominated and really, yeah, played well there. Um, so for me, it was a very, yeah, amazing experience, but I forgot, got a lot of stuff that actually happened there as well because yeah, I was so young and it was also overwhelming that I just went with the flow and for me it ended in a golden medal which was just unbelievable do you remember what it was like before the gold medal match or no um I do because I remember that I think even for our semi-final that we had a we had a meeting with the team and some of the older girls were crying and there were like there was a lot going on and I remember that Lidva and I we had no idea because we were sitting there like okay what's going on here what's all the fuss about why is everyone so like intense and so nervous as well like it was this is just before the like, game 
That was before the game. People before were crying the before the game. Really? Before the sem- yeah, because there, were, like, there was stuff going on and there was stuff happening. And yeah. like, we had no idea what was going on. But I think it's just the pressure of like wanting something mm. so bad and working so hard for it that they like they probably didn't have to worry about it but yeah like stuff happened worries come along the way and like i do understand now that i'm older why that sometimes can happen but i didn't have i didn't have a clue back then and Mm. so it wasn't like it wasn't a smooth clean ride towards the gold medal i think there are always like bumps along the way and yeah that definitely happened during those that olympics as well my first olympics that it was just at one point it was complete madness but i do (laughs) think that yeah in the end you get stronger from it Mm. so yeah they're just like yeah i don't know it's it's something um yeah that happens during tournaments but i think that's why it's even uh more impressive that in the end we did won a gold medal and especially the older girls did great that they yeah they let it happen Mm. that we won gold yeah okay we're going to um i mean i'm looking at a list of your major tournaments that's that's what i settled on like we're skipping over the the 10 champions trophies we're skipping over being the world number one for however many years and i'm i'm looking at your world cups and your olympic games and it's phenomenal really um the record that this dutch team has achieved over the last 10 almost 15 years of just absolute dominance really so to hear something like that and then to the outside i mean we look at your performance in 2008 and it's just like this dutch machine just rolls over the competition and then to hear something like that is 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 amazing really um i want to talk about regrettably we're going to get to a lot of the wins but i want to talk about the 2010 world cup you lost to argentina in the final 3-1 i think it was in argentina um Mm. i'm pretty sure and that in another way is pretty perfect record um is i have to bring it up after i have to talk about that tournament and and whether that kind of drives you or or what are your memories of that tournament did you guys just get it wrong or or what was that like yeah we did get it wrong in the end i think um yeah i think that we are a team that um often plays well Mm. like of course we put a lot of hard work in it to achieve that but um like you say because we do dominate um it's sometimes hard when it's not working our way or Mm. when it's it's not going how it should go or how we want it to go and i think over the last years we've really um have been growing into that sort of um yeah mentally resilience of like not giving up keep pushing even though it's not working for us and i think back in the days we could have been like uh you know it's not working like i don't know what to do anymore and then sort of like give up like that Mm. um and i do remember of that world cup in 2010 and especially that final i remember of having that feeling like there's no way we're going to win this game Mm. like it was impossible to sort of fight that argentinian team like whatever we we're doing it just wasn't falling our way Mm. um so i remember that feeling strongly from that tournament and yeah there was a lot of stuff going on actually that tournament as well with our coach and the team and yeah it was a little bit of a struggle um which doesn't help and i'm not trying to make an excuse but that definitely didn't help but i think yeah that you definitely learn from 
the most from your losses. And that was one of the tournaments that I really strongly had a feeling that it wasn't going to happen for us. And in the end it didn't, but maybe because you have that feeling, um, <laughs> it doesn't happen as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's so funny how you can like sort of have tournaments now that I have had a feeling like in 2012, when we played the Olympics, there was no way we're not going to win gold mm. in London. And mm. it's funny how you sort of recognize the feeling um, with myself and as a team, how you can feel sometimes so strong and like undefeatable. And sometimes you feel like uh, something is not feeling <laughs> right, but I'm just not sure where it comes from or what it is, or it's just not working. And I think that's when it gets hard. And that's when the real like athletes or real sporting teams have to show their best because when it's working for you and when you're in a flow, it's almost like it's effortless, even mm. though you've put a lot of time and hard work in it, of course, to make it look like that. But yeah, I think we've learned to become more mentally way stronger and to like bounce back stronger from even when you're behind during a game that we're not like, oh shit, okay, what are we going to do now? Because this is not going the way we planned it. Um, mm. I think we learned, yeah, a lot about that. That was from that, from that World Cup, that was a big learning experience. Yeah, definitely. Like we have lost games ever since, but I think that's when it all started in 2010 to get a bit more that's, yeah, the, our mentality right to say mm. it like that. Well, I think looking across um, the World Cups and the Olympics from the last 10 or so years, realistically, you've only lost two games that matter and they both resulted in a in a silver medal. Everything else is gold everywhere. So this is like... When we when we talk about this, I I just want to stress to the listeners like it's, a, it's a, a sea of gold and a couple of silver medals, but they are they are very interesting um, lessons. And let's talk about 2012 because that was again an absolute domination. Didn't lose a game um, once again. You actually took in the semi final. It was quite close. Um, and oh, was so close. And you actually took a stroke, I believe, in the shootout after the after the game. Did you do that? Uh, penalty shootout, yeah. Was it a shootout at that stage? Yeah, it was a shootout. Oh, really? Yeah. That okay. was the first tournament where there were shootouts. That was the first one. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was extreme. <laughs> I think I lost a bit of myself on that field. <laughs> but you scored. <laughs> that was intense. I know, but it was like, I promise you, I was like, I couldn't even... Really? Like, if I look at myself standing there, I had the feeling that I was shaking. Like, Seriously? I was just so nervous. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It was the first time ever that it happened, and it was, like, the semi-final. And yet again, that was a, a game that we we were 1-0 down. We came back to 1-0, and then we were 2-1 down. And in the end, we came back to 2-0. And, mm. yeah, there's a whole process going. What we did before that tournament, actually, we went away in this sort of military trip, which was, like the worst ever that I've experienced in my life. But I do think in the end that that got us through that game. Yeah, just to sort of win that game in the end was, it was insane. It was a game where we didn't play well, didn't go away, but we managed to sort mm. of win it in the end. And I do think that's what I was talking about in uh, from when in 2010, it, we just couldn't turn it around. I think in 2012, we could. Yeah, okay, okay. And you During remember? semi-final it's it's amazing. again like this is the this is the thing that we don't really see like we look at the dutch women they play such beautiful style of hockey and um they wipe teams off the park and these sorts of things but as you say that was a that was an ugly win i mean went mm. right down to the wire and um 
yeah, it's a, it was very interesting reading about that. What, did, what was this military camp about? What did you, what did you learn on that? Tell us about it. <laughs> I mean, I can tell about this for days, but I think <laughs> to just give a sort of short summary of it, it was like in February, we were, Max called us, he was our coach, and he told us that we were going to London to have a look at the Olympic Village and what it would look like. So it was like, no sticks, no hockey, just going to have a look there. And we were like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then we arrived at Schiphol at the airport, and they told us, okay, everyone, you need to hand in your phones. So you get five minutes now to contact your family and your friends and whoever you want to contact and then tell them that you'll be back in three days. Everyone's mm. like, what's going on? <laughs> what this is about? And then we handed our phones to our manager and she just walked out. <laughs> like, okay, so our phones are staying here and we're going. So then we looked at the big screen. There were no flights to London, nothing. And we were going to Spain, to Alicante. We're like, okay, what's this going on? And then from then on, our coach, he didn't want to say anything to us what was going to happen. And we maybe thought that it would be like a cool team trip sort of stuff. But then when we arrived there, a bus was waiting for us with like four or five military guys. And yeah, we just went straight to the mountains. We had to wear a little, like those little green army suits. And it was just madness for three days, the longest day of my life, I think the three days. And <laughs> we've done all these sorts of stuff where you had to do stuff with, the team part of the team where you had to do like run up a mountain with like heavy bags and you had to do it within a certain time and where you knew you would have done it in like five minutes but then we had no idea because we obviously didn't have anything on us and mm. those guys you made it to the top and they said sorry but that was like five minutes and five seconds we we're like no come on you can't be serious we just mm. you know we've done it we're like no it's not good enough just go back we're like you know it's like no 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 so i've seen girls who like pulled each other up those mountains, grabbed each other like by the hairs and just dragged <laughs> each other up the mountains. And I think you've really learned more about each other. Like some of the girls where you maybe thought of like, okay, I know that they, you know, they can play hockey. They're very, very talented. But when they have to put in the hard work, like will they really do that mm -hmm. when it has to be done? And some of the girls really surprised me there and they were like full on and really... Mm -hmm you know, in a good way. And I think that's when you learn most about each other. And that's why I say, I think it helped us so much during, yeah, the Olympics in 2012, when it got tough that day and that you can look each other in the eye and say, okay, guys, we haven't run up that, you know, that fucking mountain just <laughs> without a reason. Like this is, this is not even as hard as it was then because, you know, we have to push through and we can do this and more to get that sort of feeling. And I really, do I strongly believe that's why we in the end won the gold medal because we've done something that was so intense with the team and where you really get to know each other especially when it's very ugly and like not good times and yeah I do I didn't enjoy that time but I do see it as a great memory now that we've done that as a team and you grow as a person and you grow as a team and especially when you I think now that we have we have a lot of girls who play already for like 10, 8, 6 years together mm. and you've been through that together. Um, and I think that's what makes us a good team as well, is that we really know each other. Mm. That's that's an awesome story. Um, I want to go to that shootout. You said you were shaking beforehand. Do you remember what you were thinking? Like, were you, were you confident that you would score or are you surprised that you scored considering how you're feeling? Or talk to me about that. 
I was actually, it's silly, but I was sort of confident. I was, I remember that I, like I walked up to the, do you say 25? Yeah. Or 23, yeah, 20, 25. Whatever. And I was like, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I was like, okay. I was, I kept on telling myself, you're going to score, you're going to score, you're going to score. And I had like one thing that I used to do back then was I was like, just slap it, slap mm. it as hard as you can. And you know, you're going to score. So I remember that I told myself that over and over and over again, and I did, but just like that feeling of just the nerves, it was just, it was crazy. And that's why I say, I think I died a little bit on that <laughs> turf there because it was just so intense. And in the end, I was so happy that, you know, I just, it was almost like I closed my eyes and I slept it. But yeah, I don't think I can do stuff like that now anymore because goalie, goalies know that I do that. And then you have to sort of think about other stuff that you can do as well. And I'm not sure if I would even go and stand up there because we've got kids now who can do amazing things with the ball. So I'd rather trust them to score a goal <laughs> like that. But yeah, it was an amazing experience, but a little bit too intense for me as well. <laughs> mm. And then you got, you climbed yeah. that metaphorical mountain, like it was New Zealand, right? In the semifinal. Mm. Um, you yeah. beat them and then on to play Argentina, who you'd lost to in 2010, just a couple of years mm. earlier. Did that make it, more special playing Argentina or what were the feelings like going into that game? Because you, you won quite convincingly in the end, it was two nil. Um, yeah. What was that? I game remember like? that it was actually funny, but I remember when we played our semifinal against New Zealand before they played their semifinal mm -hmm. and in the Olympic village, Argentina was staying at the other side of the yeah, little street that we were at. Um, so they were actually right there and I remember that we were sort of like sleeping in our beds and they came back from their semi-final and they were like making these sort of like wolf sounds like and then they were like Naomi, Nidoi, Ellen, like we're coming for you and we heard them screaming that on the streets and we were like are you actually kidding me that you're Whoa. doing but that's like that's their passion and that's what they do and that's yeah what they feel that they probably had to do but I think from that moment on because every single one of us heard that yeah we're like no ways we're gonna yeah. get you now like there's no way you're gonna win this by like trying to influence us like that or trying to like get us out of our game like that and i think from that moment on everyone was like this is it we're not gonna lose this game and i remember that feeling again a feeling so strongly that you yeah you're not gonna lose it this mm. is this is going to be our game. Even before we started it, we knew we had won. Mm, mm. And I know you like playing Argentina. Is that part of the reason why you like playing Argentina? Just good memories or because you like the passion or what is that? Um, I think it's a bit of both. I think it's always an intense game to play Argentina. They are extremely talented, skillful players um, and they love to attack. And I think, yeah, for us, they it's tough because they don't need much to like score goals mm, yeah and i think it really has to for us it's really a challenge to sort of stop them and to sort of like yeah make it not even that they get one chance to score a goal um but i think that we are really trying ourselves now as well to yeah score as much goals as possible so even if you know, up front, you tell yourself, okay, maybe they score one of two or two. That's fine. Um, that might even be a given. But as long as we score three or four, then, yeah, it's okay as well. And I think during that final, um, especially, yeah, 
I think most of the time we, if you look at the play itself, we have like most of the ball position, probably that sort of stuff that we always do quite well. But in the end, we have to learn how to execute. And we had a bit of luck as well during the final. And I think that's what you need. Um, but yeah, I think in general, we like to play Argentina because of their passion, but because of their skills and their attacking games as well what gives us space to attack to once we get the ball mm, sorry mm. to make a very long story short no, no no that's that's really interesting i'm just keep on talking that's fine that's good for me it means i don't have to talk so much um with with that do you when you're in the game i mean like that's that's bizarre i've never heard of anything like that like people that village story is just crazy to me but um <laughs> did you think of that while you were in the game or when you were playing it was just like we're just doing what we do yeah, I think when you, like, the minute the whistle goes, like, this is the start of the game, then you you just do what you have to do. And I do think that our game plan um, was really good and, like, our positioning and everything around it. I think that we, yeah, that whole tournament, we've played so well. Um, and, yeah, it was always with, like, Argentina and Aymar that you always had to keep an eye out for her. Um, and you almost wanted her to pass the ball if she had a ball. Um, mm. But yeah, I think the minute that the whistle goes, you're like, okay, we just stick to our plan, to our play, what we want to do, um, and then it will be fine. And yeah, I think it was like that in the end. But especially because of that belief in ourselves up front, yeah. I think that really helped too. Sure. And did that belief hang around for the 2014 World Cup? I mean, um, that was pretty impressive. I know you've spoken about it as being your one of your favourite hockey memories playing in front of um, mm. the home crowd and you finally got your wish to play in front of a football stadium of fans, yes. um, which is pretty cool that that happened. But again, I'm going to throw some more stats at you. You won every game and do you know how many goals you conceded for the tournament? I've got no idea. I don't think it will be much. It was one. You conceded really? one goal for the entire tournament, which is pretty amazing. Um that was a similar group, similar group from 2012 to 2014, or um, how did? A few changes, yeah. Sure, but sure. Yeah, I think the most of the girls were there who were there in 2012. Maybe three or four changes, yeah. And the belief just hung around, or was that a totally different, a whole different thing? No, I think the belief definitely hung around. I think we'd done something actually before the 2014 World Cup. We'd done something. Um, extremely beautiful and special as a team again that really like Max had a way to touch us and I'm not sure if it really worked with everyone but for me personally it really worked out well I think they he sort of up front he tried to do the same thing again with the military guys like they <laughs> sort of showed up at our training camp and then everyone was like no, 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 we're not going to do this again because I truly do believe that something like that work, works once and yeah. especially because we had no idea what was coming. Mm. But to do that again and especially because so much of the girls already had done it before, we're mm. like, no, we're not going to do that. Mm. And then it was funny that he actually said like, yeah, you know, this is what I wanted you guys to do to, you know, stand up for yourself and to say no one time because normally we're like, okay, let's do it. Okay, mm. there's no problem. So I was like, I'm not too sure if that was in the end the case, but okay, I trust <laughs> you. <laughs> and then in the end, I think like a month before the actual World Cup in The Hague, we had a yeah sort of team trip for one night and 
we were all blindfolded and were put in a bus and everyone was like, okay, what are we going to do now? A little bit like nervous, I think again, for what we were going to do. But then, yeah, they actually drove us to the stadium, um, to the football stadium. And we spent the night there. So everyone had a tent and we actually stayed there. And it was this whole story of like, this is our home. Mm. Everyone is coming to visit us here. And we're going to show everyone that they've got like nothing to do here. Like Mm. this is Mm. our home. This is who we are. This is what we are. This is us. And yeah, yet again, it's a feeling, but to so strongly like work so hard for that and put everything into that and believing that it is your home and it is your turf. And yeah, I think yet again, yes, we played really well but that strong feeling really and belief really helped us through that Mm. tournament too and what's it like playing in front because you know watching the footage it was just unbelievable your support and your dutch supporters are like that i mean there's more items of orange clothing in holland than there are in the west of the rest of the world combined but it was just like a sea (laughs) of just orange and i know playing in holland it's the same thing wherever they are the dutch fans just they know their hockey and they love being out in the sun, drinking beers and watching hockey and they love supporting their yeah. team. What was that like to play in front of that? It was unbelievable. I, that's why it's like such a special memory and one of my favorite tournaments to ever play because like when we first were at the stadium and it was empty, you're like, I actually can't believe that this, you know, yes, of course people will come and watch, but this mm. many, like, mm. no, it's never going to mm. happen. But it was sold out every game and it was just like, people dutchies going wild and crazy well normally (laughs) i mean dutchies we are like yes we do love our sports but it's nice to sort of sit back and relax and just watch it and we're not necessarily like the loud types or the but it was just like extreme and the kids and yeah you know all the noise and just to be able to be part of like i thought it was a massive hockey party in the end Mm. Um, it was super special and mm. yeah, to feel that whole and see that whole orange sort of wall, the people who are behind you, it is, yeah, it's just the best feeling ever. Mm. But what I loved about the tournament as well was that it, it was so special to have the men and the women there together. Mm. I really, really thought it was a great idea. And I think it was the last world cup actually that it was like that, but I think that's just the best. You think it should go back to that? Yeah. Definitely, 100%. Yeah. I think it's just amazing that you, yeah, maybe in Holland it will, I'm not sure how it was. I don't think it was as crazy as all the other games. For example, if Australia played Mm. New Zealand or whatever, I don't think it was sold out, but still people would come and watch. And especially if you would put it on a day where the Dutchies would play, then there will be people. Um, And I think, yeah, sometimes men's hockey is... Um, that people watch it more than women's hockey, which I sort of understand. And that's why I think it's best if you would combine it all together. So you have ladies games and men's games at the same day. And yeah, I think it was just, it felt so special and so amazing to have everyone together there and to compete at the highest level. And yeah, the crowd, it was just, yeah, it was amazing. It was unbelievable. Mm. What about the pressure? I mean, like one could easily see the fact that, 
you guys are the Olympic champions. Um, you guys are the world number one team in the world. Un, like clear favourites to win that tournament. Um, amazing team playing at home. Did you ever think about disappointing your fans? No, like not for one second. It's just weird because it's just that self-belief that we know that we can do it and you know you've put everything in the preparation to be ready for it. And maybe because we already have been the team to beat for a long time that you sort of learn how to deal with that. Mm. Um, I think that is what we have learned throughout the years as well. Like, yes, we are the team that everyone wants to beat and yes, we are expected to win a gold. Um, And I think that we sort of try to prepare for that every single time. Mm. And it's a challenge um, and it's not easy. But yeah, I truly believe that we can win Mm. because we are good enough for that. Mm. And it is in our own hands. And yes, sometimes a team can play better than you and then you can, you know, give them a high five and you say, well done, you actually outplayed us today. But we try to not let that happen. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool philosophy. Um, Last question on that World Cup. Did you ever look around mid-game and think this is pretty special or was it you just blocked it out, just played your game? Um, No, I'm actually someone who does like think like that sometimes. Um, I do like, I do have to focus and I focus on the game, but I do remember that I sometimes, you know, when you score a goal or when you hear the anthem, I know it's before the game or when stuff happens that you actually have this moment of realization that you're like, I can't believe this is actually happening and that you have like the goosebumps all over Mm. during a game. (laughs) Like, yeah, I do think that is, um, those moments are, are special and just that enjoyment and that sort of think about how special it is, like what you're doing at that moment and where you're at in your life. I think it is special that you sometimes, even though it's for two seconds during a game can think like, wow, this is what we are doing at a team and it's something that is like super amazing. So mm. yeah, I definitely had moments like that during the tournament. Yeah. Mm. Is that, is that normal for you? Do you often kind of think about what you're actually doing and think this is very cool or does, is it just so normal to you? Um, I think when I was younger, I didn't like not at all. I would just, you know, like work hard, put in all the effort. I was amazed that I would be in a team and that I yeah would still be there and be there and do it. And I think now when I, I've gotten a little bit old and a bit more experienced that I can sort of step back sometimes and Mm. look at what I'm doing and then really think about it like that it is super special and definitely not normal. I mean, it is special that we have the opportunities that we have and that I play in a team that I play in. And yeah, I think sometimes we do take things for granted, but I think this is something that you shouldn't take for granted. And that is still special. Even though I'm already playing for nearly 14 years, I still truly believe it is so special that I'm playing for the Dutch national side and part of something that is that big and special for over 14 years already. I truly think that's amazing, yeah. That's it for part A of the two-part special with Ava. See you on the flip side for part B. Stay tuned. Big thank you to the production team of David Moore, Tim Collier and Jimmy Stevens. 
if you do like the help side, please like, subscribe, interact. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at the help side on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's it for now. We'll catch you on the help side next time.